0: The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your- 7th, 2020, and you are tuned into the Hidden the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at TheGorillaPosition.com, <laughs> presented by Hami Media. <laughs> Association with Last Word on Pro wrestling.com and now Unleashed at NDPW.com. On this week's show, we're talking AJ Styles, the Elimination Chamber, NXT, and of course, some AEW. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. Find the entire HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend. He's the real RBV Rick. Welcome back to your show. Ooh, Jargo, I I do gotta tell you, man. Yo, know,
1: here here in the Ohio, we are we are fixing today for a, a heat wave, brother. A heat wave. I gotta tell you, what the that man on that television said. It gonna get up around sixty degrees. Believe that. Well, I ain't got to tell you, that is hotter than a muskrat on a carburetor, Jago. It's going to be hot. One today.
0: Fantastic. Uh, you know, they say the same thing here. Uh, Today it's supposed to be like 58 degrees Tomorrow it's supposed to be like 63 degrees And here we are at almost 11 o'clock in the morning And it's still like barely 40 I think the weather people are full of shit I told uh, my middle daughter Justice the other day You know, I want you to be a meteorologist when you grow up you you can go to work every day, you can look like hell, you can be wrong 90% of the time, you can still make $100,000 a year, you can just go up there and read off of a screen for a couple of hours and boom, get that money. I think that's got to be one of the best jobs in the freaking world.
1: You know, what's, you know what's crazy about that as well is a meteorologist and a professional baseball player have so much in common. Right. It's, you know, it, in baseball, it's one of the few sports where, you know, you can be a big fat ass and you're still considered a, a world-class athlete. Uh, you only, you know, when you're standing there at the plate, you only have to be good at your job somewhere around a quarter of the time. Yep.
0: And you're going to make millions of dollars. <laughs> yep. It's absolutely ridiculous. The other day, our our morning show meteorologist, Rebecca, she lets out with uh, – that it's going to be the warmest day that we have had in the last five months. You mean to tell me that it's going to be warmer in March than it was in fucking November? Who would have thought it? They're so fucking
1: some, stupid, man. That, that is some deep, deep. I mean, that's like WWE creative deep
0: yeah right it's like how many fucking years did you have to go to school to come up with such fucking gut-wrenching analysis just absolutely ridiculous but you know huckleberry every once in a while the news people they actually get it right they don't do it with the weather they're not doing it with the coronavirus they're certainly not going to do it with the election coming up in november but wrestler of the decade wrestler of the decade they got this one right huckleberry as AJ Styles has been named the wrestler of the decade for the 2010s. Huckleberry, I I tried to make a case in my mind for this to be anybody else. I tried for the Rainmaker. I tried for the Ace. I tried to think of, you know, like John Cena, you know, like I tried to make a case for anybody and it's not even close. It's Adrian's
1: stuff. Yeah, absolutely, and, and you know that's in trying to make the case for his individuals. It's no nowhere near a knock on them. I think it just adds to the accomplishments and how how worthy and how much he has earned this uh, this great honor to be recognized, no matter where it's coming from. Uh, I believe this is the the observer correct. correct. Uh, which, you know, to me,
0: or no, actually I think this one was, this
1: this, 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 this is, this is pro wrestling illustrated. I know that we've got some uh, observer awards that we're going to get to, but this is, this is PWI. So this is up there. This is something, you know, that I'll even acknowledge. Okay. This, this is respect. Uh, this is respect given to respect earned AJ Styles without question what he has been able to accomplish on so many levels and how he's defined the evolution of professional wrestling. You and I have had this conversation to be off air, and we've touched a little bit on air about this. When we look at how pro wrestling itself evolved, and especially from, you know, going back to pretty much the, the merger, the, the death of WCW and the emergence of promotions like ring of honor and TNA and, and all these independents that we've seen pop up, uh, across the, these great states of ours and really around the globe and the different territories, we're looking at those talents that would truly define that indie style and how it's evolved to the forefront. And and one of those names that we would put there, you know, up on that marquee would be AJ Styles. And in, in this last decade, uh, you really talk about someone who has stood out in and, and redefined not just themselves, but the business of professional wrestling. And he's done it everywhere he's gone.
0: And the thing is, AJ Styles may be the last true journeyman, of professional wrestling. You bring up Ring of Honor, AJ was there. You bring up TNA, AJ was there. The the reemergence of New Japan Pro Wrestling, AJ was there. WWE, AJ what like AJ has been everywhere but NXT basically. He's like the the last of that generation before the NXT performance centers really got up and got going full bore. Like, have we seen anybody else come in since AJ Styles and go directly to the main roster? Everybody else has went through NXT, right?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, before we even get to that, we could talk about if that was by necessity, because they were, they were maybe not in desperate need, but they were really hurting at that point when it came to the, the injured reserve list. But let's go all the way back. And I love how you're talking about, you know, AJ was there in Ring of Honor. Let's go back a little bit before that. You know, Air Styles and Air Paris, Air Raid. So I forget that he had, he was there in WCW at the very end when they introduced the cruiserweight tag division. And then you see the company, you know, obviously it folds. And a lot of those towns, they're they're the more the established mid-carters are getting offered contracts to immediately come over. And impact, no pun intended, television with the invasion angle. Uh, but you know, some of those other younger talents that were just breaking through were being offered contracts to head down to Louisville, Kentucky, to Ohio Valley Wrestling. At that time, you know AJ's wife, uh, I believe she was in she was in school, maybe law school. Does that sound familiar? Uh, but I do know, you know, that they're a young family. I think I believe it was involved her studies. And what the money was on the table and the promise of the future, it wasn't quite there enough for A.J. to say this is enough for me to uproot everybody or for me to split myself from my family and relocate. So it was at that point he chose to take that other path.
0: Well, and I think now, that's one thing that's important, that that it very much gets lost in the story of A.J. Styles is the fact that he declined. It's not that he didn't have the offer. It's not that he wasn't on the WWE radar. It's not that they didn't want him in OVW alongside Batista and Randy Orton and John Cena and Brock Lesnar. It was that AJ declined.
1: Absolutely. And let's think about that. I love how you mentioned those names there. He would have been there just a little bit before, but you as you're looking at the timing of maybe when he would have peaked at OVW and had that real opportunity to get a look.
0: Man, could you imagine AJ Styles versus Shelton Benjamin at that time in OVW?
1: Well, let's look at some of this, though, because, you know, I don't think he would have had an opportunity to get out of OVW before those guys got there because you had so much going on with the invasion. And remember, this is a time – on the main roster where we get the brand split simply because they had so many people employed there and they're trying to find a way to get those talents on television. You, you can't really believe in your mind that they're going to look down at OVW and say, okay, we've got this, what, five foot, something, a hundred and nothing pound high flyer that we're going to bring up here. I mean, at best, he would have been eating super kicks on Stevie night. Heat.
0: Dude, to think about it. If AJ had went to OVW, would the phenomenal one have ever happened? That's what I'm saying. And
1: then you get in there. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible, Jarko. As you do out there to think about, you know, down there on a Tuesday night taping and, and to catch that, you know, locally here where I live in, you know, that tri-state, that Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio area. Oh, I, you know, I would have been – That's this is around the time that, that I fell in love with OVW. Hell, yeah, give me, you know, him and Benjamin on that program. But do we ever know AJ Styles? Does he ever make it through? Because then you have, you're mentioning Shelton Benjamin, then you got a Brock Lesnar, you got a Batista, you got Randy Orton, you got John Cena, those names that you were talking about. Do we ever know who AJ Styles is if he had taken that offer from WWE at that time? And I, I think, you know, really what we can appreciate about this, you know, it's one of the things that that we pride ourselves here on the Hitting the Mark Pro Wrestling Podcast two and a half years into this. From day one, we've been down with this philosophy is to approach things from different angles, to take a step back and, and relate that to our personal and professional experiences. And I think this you know this speaks to society itself that you don't have to get into that big four-year college. You don't have to go after that sheepskin to look fancy on your wall. There are arter of motives and, and not modus but pathways in life that you can that you can travel to achieve great success. And AJ Styles is a shining example of that.
0: So instead, AJ goes south, joins up with the upstart NWA TNA, and basically becomes the face of the brand. I mean, yeah, I I know they brought in guys like Hogan. They brought in guys like Steiner. They brought in guys like Macho Man. I mean, they, they were doing the WCW thing where they're bringing in all these legacy stars of the past, hoping that you'll discover this new upcoming talent. And AJ Styles was that new and upcoming talent. And AJ became the face, as far as I was concerned, of NWA TNA. When I turned into TNA back in 2007, 2008, 2009, it wasn't to see Hogan. I was tuning in to see what AJ Styles was doing. And at a certain point, that actually became the detriment of TNA because anybody with a brain could watch that show and say AJ Styles should be the face of this brand. AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, like these guys should be the face of the brand. And instead, I'm watching Sting versus Hogan, 842. Like, I I, I get what the the philosophy was from the company's perspective, but like they had the stars. They were ready-made. And AJ got pushed down the card to being that X-Division guy. He flirted with the te- the the big boy title. Hell, he even won it a couple of times, but they they never made him the face of that company like they should have. You know, another
1: shout out in the the evolution, the development, the discovery of AJ Styles. Uh, you got to give major props to Jeremy Borish, Yeah. who I believe was with WCW. You know, in some sort of capacity, and before TNA came into existence we had the world wrestling all-stars at wwa and i think weren't they largely based out of like australia i think so it and it was goresh that took him there it took styles got him you know booked with that company and that was the main introduction to to the Jarrett's, who at that time were just beginning to formulate you know it was it was a seed being planted to come up with this concept TNA wrestling that we're going to go straight to pay per view. We need an alternative. We we've got to take on Vince because Sherrod's sure, time. No, they're, they're sure as hell not going back to Vince after everything that went down there. I mean, hell, you had Vince go on publicly on air and pretty much say uh, the the handful of you you'll never be back here. You know, especially at that point because of the heat and the hold up. Uh, but you're right. You know, from day one, out of the gate, AJ Styles involved in the first matchup. I mean, for. And for God's sakes, his team took the first loss. The first match, they took the first loss ever to a group known as the Flying Elvises. <laughs> Tremendous. And and from that point forward, as Jargo as you mentioned, that, you know that you bring in that star power. You you want that recognition. You're trying to bring in those that main that mainstream audience and all those eyes. And I'm okay with that philosophy. It works. But what, what those what those names and those personalities do? That's the bait. But the talents like AJ Styles, they were the hook. The guy is pretty much the living embodiment of what the Intercontinental Championship used to represent. And that is your workhorse, the individual that no matter what your fan base, the viewer, the consumer is going to tune in. They're going to line up and they know 100 percent night in, night out. You are going to deliver And AJ Styles. He was given that opportunity in TNA. He's He took that. He's been able to do that around the world. It would be their TNA impact new Japan. And then ultimately the grand stage that is WWE. Every time you give just the slightest bit of opportunity, AJ Styles seems to just wow the masses. He takes the ball, runs with it and blows everybody away. He has absolutely earned, earned this tremendous honor.
0: When they were doing the aces and eights thing, In TNA, and the phenomenal AJ Styles goes away only to reemerge as the long hair, bearded, like almost cowboy, broken down, gunslinger version of AJ Styles that we've come to know and love over the course of basically this entire decade. The fact that it was so different, that it was so counter to everything that AJ Styles was, it was almost a sting-like turn for AJ Styles. Then he goes to New Japan Pro Wrestling, goes out and beats Okada on the first night in the freaking company, wins the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, the new leader of Bullet Club as Prince Devitt is making his exit. Everybody's like, oh shit, we, we need to watch New Japan Pro Wrestling. And that was really the West introduction on a mass scale to New Japan Pro Wrestling. That's when I got into New Japan, when AJ debuted over there and took over the Bullet Club. It was like, oh, they have AJ Styles. I want to watch this show. Holy shit. This show is incredible. Then AJ comes to the WWE and it might be the last pop. None of us knew AJ Styles was going to be in that Royal Rumble somehow in the age of the internet they kept that so under wraps that none of us knew you had to be deep into the wrestling culture in order to know that aj styles was even on the wwe radar let alone this weird music hits and out walks this hooded guy and oh my god that's aj styles
1: it's one of those moments you it's, you're talking about one of the last great pops that we had
0: uh, even, you know,
1: outside of, like, our childhood with uh, there's so many tremendous memories, but, you know, in the, in the last, you well, obviously here, decade, one of those moments that, that you remember where you were and how you felt. Yeah, absolutely incredible.
0: I mean, even the Hardy Boys, like, that was a ridiculous pop when the Hardy Boys came back at WrestleMania. But were any of us really that surprised? Like, we all kind of knew that that was a possibility that that could happen. Once the New Day came out and started talking, we were like... Oh, my God, it's happening. It it, it was like that episode of The Office where Michael Scott's all, It's happening! This is not a drill! It's actually happening! And the place lost their freaking minds, but AJ, nobody knew.
1: Uh, I was just watching The Office before we went on air. It was one of the episodes where uh, Dwight's fire drill, where he actually lit the building on
0: fire. Yes, fantastic. And the other thing with AJ, when it comes to this run inside of the WWE... Remember, if he doesn't fly halfway around the world to go face off with Finn Balor because Bray Wyatt got sick... Does this run with AJ Styles as a main event talent inside of the WWE even happen? And that's been during our run, and we talked about that a lot when it first happened. AJ flying all the way from South America to Detroit to go face off with Finn Balor on zero build, and they go out there and they have a four-star match. And everybody's like, holy shit. That was the moment that AJ Styles became a main eventer in Vince McMahon's eyes. And more importantly than anything, those are the only set of eyes that matter. And most people just don't even have that opportunity. If Bray Wyatt doesn't get sick, that match never happens. Does AJ ever become a main eventer?
1: If half the roster doesn't go down.
0: And and, there's a lot of things
1: that it's okay. You know, when opportunity presents itself it defines you of what you do with it. You know, a lot of people will sit there and say, you know, oh, well, Stephanie McMahon, she's given this, she's born in, you know, she would never be there. That, that's fine. Uh, well, Triple H married it. That's fine. You know, it goes back to one of those things I regularly say. I, I'm not going to hate somebody for being born on second base because it's about what you do with that opportunity. Everybody, it, you're just, you're being quite asinine and delusional to believe that things are just handed it's a that's a that's a story of life it's getting ahead is about who we know who gives you breaks your connections that you've made your relationships it's about what you do with that that defines your success and AJ Styles is a perfect example of that certainly things have fallen in his favor but he capitalizes each and every time we look at the epic failure of the brand split Who has shined more than AJ Styles and taken that opportunity?
0: Nobody. Not even close. Not even remotely close. Uh, You brought up the Observer. Let's talk about some of the Observer Awards for the year. And Rick, on large part, I feel like they pretty well got this thing right. Like, I, I really have one glaring issue with the list that I'm about to read off But I I saw there was a thread in the Hameen Media discussion group with people just absolutely tearing this list apart. I think all in all, it's pretty dead on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we can go through the list here just real quick. But I've got to – that's what really interests me to see the reactions towards – you know, who they have named in each of these categories. And I'll even admit myself, when it comes to the observer, I'm not the biggest fan. I'm not the biggest supporter, but I have an exact reason. I'm not going to come at this thing, you know, like a mark chart. I actually can back up my stance and my take of why I don't fully, for the same reason I don't completely buy into the star rating system that they use. But go ahead and read through these things. But I do have to say in large part, I do have to tend to agree with, with what they laid out here.
0: So your Wrestler of the Year, Chris Jericho, the uh, former AEW World Heavyweight Champion, former Intercontinental IWGP Champion, uh, Wrestler of the Year, didn't have a whole lot of issues with that. Tag Team of the Year, the Lucha Bros, which I completely disagree with like wholeheartedly. I just, I don't see it. Um, Outstanding wrestler of the year. Will Ospreay. I, I can't disagree. I don't think there's been anybody in the ring. That's been better than Osprey in 2019. Female wrestler of the year. Becky Lynch. I, I yeah, we can debate, but I, I think we kind of come to that same conclusion. Rookie of the year. Jungle boy, best promotion, new Japan pro wrestling, Most improved, Lance Archer, which we have talked about on the show numerous times throughout the year. And the match of the year, Will Ospreay versus Shingo Takagi, best of Super Junior's final, which I don't have any issue with. You can make a case that something might have been a better match, but you better make a damn good case because that was one hell of a fucking match. I think Osprey probably should have been 1 through 10 when you're looking at match of the year, given his 2019. Um, Huckleberry, outside of the Lucha Bros, I don't have an issue with any of these.
1: And I could even make a case for for the Lucha Bros, but here's here's my bigger issue with this entire, you know, arbitrarily handing out of these awards. And it, it's the same thing that I take issue with when it comes to the rating system. Define the criteria and yeah. stand by that on a regular basis. These things are just arbitrarily Given out, it you know, on what kind of mood you're in. It's almost like a Vince McMahon mindset of what time, not even you know when you're going to catch him. What time of day? What's the weather like? You know, he could flip and flop left and right. And you've heard that story being told by so many individuals that have worked closely with him over the decades. And again, I feel the same way about Deserver here. It's about their their agenda. Give me a criteria. Let us know of how we're supposed to measure this, and I think that's what causes such a great debate about this thing. And obviously, that's what they want to do. Controversy creates cash, correct? You know, they want you to to be all over this thing. They want to try to divide the fans and, and drum up uh, that that conversation. Amongst those that are, that are inside the bubble. But to me, I mean, if, if you really want this thing to be respected, you want this thing to people to really look at this thing and say, OK, oh, look forward to this for something that is is truly a worthy award to be bestowed upon somebody. Then I think you have to define exactly what this thing means. And you don't get that from the observer. You don't get it anywhere. It's why I'm. that's why I've become so disdained towards it.
0: No, I I, I don't disagree. Um, And I think what a lot of the issue that people had with it was the lack of WWE representation on the list. But they did, in fact, win a third of the awards. They won 10 of the 30 awards. Unfortunately, eight of the 10 awards that they won were negative. Uh, They won the female wrestler of the year. They won the best character of the year for The Fiend. But everything else was, you know, like worst promotion of the year most underrated wrestler of the year, worst announcer of the year. Um, What the hell does that mean? Worst weekly show of the year. And I'm just like, that's where the bias comes in. Because if, if there's one show that's the worst weekly show inside of the world of professional wrestling, it is and has been throughout all of 2019 Ring of Honor. Their show, their actual TV show, has been the drizzling
1: shits. Absolutely, you know. And again, are are we talking about viewers? Are we talking about production? Are we talking about marketing? Are we talking about wrestling? Are we talking about storytelling? Uh, Again, I mean, this is so open ended. Uh, But you know, the bigger concepts you're seeing that you're seeing a lot of backlash. You know, the, the the lack of representation with WWE inside. Of of these certain awards, but we see the opposite too. You know, when we look at the the PWI 500 or even their awards, you know, if they're heavy on WWE, oh, there's too much WWE in there. They're not giving enough representation to these other promotions. Well, obviously, you're going to have that because WWE is the biggest company in the world. They do have the most exposure. They are, you know, they do have the most airtime. People are more familiar with who they are. Obviously, they're going to represent. A larger slice of of the big goal, the overall pie than any other company, simply based on their metrics. That's a fair assessment. Don't get to these negatives, the negative side of the thing. Why do we even need those? Why do we need worst? Right. When I when I look at Major League Baseball, when I look at the NBA, the NFL, we talk about the best players, and we acknowledge them, we celebrate their accomplishments and what they have given to the game. Well, over at hashtag H T M Sports, you and I had great debates on. On what it means to be the MVP of a league. They, we've never talked about who's the worst player in the league. Right. We, we don't, you know, we don't not. Why? You are already setting, and again, this goes back for them. Controversy tries to, you know, create cash. They're just trying to to stir up the fans and, and get people talking about them. But it, at what cost? Because now you're setting a negative mindset. You are painting yourself into a corner of, of complete negativity that all you want to do is hate and bash, especially in a time where people are riding high on these these new emergence in AEW and New Japan, you're not, you're not building yourself up. You're not building the industry up by creating this divide. There is no need for these worst categories. And hey, great for you, Observer, because now you're getting a backlash for it.
0: I, I have no idea what you just said for the last minute and a half. Because you you brought up the worst player in the NBA. And maybe they don't have the award for it because the answer is clearly Rajon Rondo and Rajon Rondo has won the award every year since he has been in the league. He is just absolutely freaking awful. And then I'm I'm reminded, you know, it's Rajon Rondo because he happens to play for the Lakers or, you know, the Celtics because he's playing for these big brands, you know, so of course they're going to get picked on. There's clearly players in the league that are worse than Rajon Rondo, right? But it's like, you're going to tell me that the worst match of the year was Seth Rollins versus Bray Wyatt at Hell in a Cell? No, it, it clearly wasn't. Are you not watching the, the Women of Honor? Like, all of those matches are worse than Seth Rollins versus Bray Wyatt at Hell in a Cell. But, of course, Seth Rollins versus Bray Wyatt at Hell in a Cell is the sexy pick because everybody hated it. But... Was it the worst wrestling match of 2019? No, absolutely not. It's Regan Rondo. Yeah, it's a horrible piece of shit. But you know, there's worse pieces of shit.
1: Absolutely. I just overall, I just don't see what the benefit is. You're not you're not helping promote the sport. You're not rallying the fans, the fanatics that should be out there praising professional wrestling. You're pointing out the the jokes with inside of it, you're, you're laughing at the business. And to me, uh, that's more of an insult than anything,
0: you know, like worst wrestler of the year or most overrated wrestler of the year was like Baron Corbin. And it's like, who's overrating him? Vince, Vince is the only person overrating Baron Corbin. Like the, clearly the most overrated wrestler of the year is Hiroki Goto or, or uh, how was, I, I don't get how Baron Corbin's overrated. They Everybody ever hates Baron Corbin. He's the best heel in the WWE. Has he
1: ever been presented to us like he is some like incredible technician wizard?
0: No, he's, he's hateable, and he's big, and he has a very punchable face.
1: Okay, and he goes out there, and he gets more boos weekly than any wrestler on
0: the planet. Yeah, he's the best heel in the company, unquestionably. I mean, that's why they put him against Roman Reigns for six months, because that way people would cheer Roman Reigns. And this isn't,
1: you know, this, this isn't a defense like for anything or anybody. It just doesn't make sense, you know, what the hell they're trying to present here.
0: Nope. And, and that's a perfect segue because now it's time to preview the Elimination Chamber coming up this Sunday from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Huckleberry, this is not the only time we're going to talk about Philadelphia, Pennsylvania on this show. Is this really where you want to run? Uh, early contender for worst pay per view of the year in Philly.
1: I absolutely love. I actually sat down last night and was was watching uh, most of SmackDown and and going back to to Wednesday and they even made some some mention of it. I believe Wednesday at NXT. I love how they're not really selling anything on this on this show but but can you believe this is the last stop before wrestlemania that's that's really the selling point of this thing you've only got to sit through a couple more hours of this bs and then we're going to get you on the road to wrestlemania that's what i'm taking away from the selling point here i this thing is just filled with i guess it is fitting that it's in philadelphia because it's just filled with garbage
0: just uh, what's the main event of this show I mean even like when you look back at like some of the really really bad WWE pay-per-views throughout history they would try to put together at least a main event that people would give a shit about what's the main event of this show is it supposed to be the women's elimination chamber is it is that supposed to be the main event well i i think it it is
1: it will become the main event simply because it is probably in In a in a pile of trash, it is the most rotten piece of trash, and it is absolutely it is it does have intrigue around it for all the wrong reasons. What that the intrigue is, hurry up and get this shit show over with, so we can move on with a program that the fans are actually excited for, that people want to see moving forward. And that being Shayna Baszler and Becky Lynch.
0: Is there anybody on the face of the planet that thinks? That Shayna Baszler is not winning this match.
1: And this goes down to one of those that you you just you pray. Uh for all things that are WWE, that they do not fumble this thing. Do not botch what you've got inside of this match. Don't try to give us a swerve. Do not overbook it. You know, this falls into one of those things where it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And believe me, the journey to this point has been absolutely miserable. Uh, but you haven't, I guess you have to be positive and you have an opportunity to sort of make things right. It, this has to be about Basler. I mean, this has to be about some dominance. I, I absolutely inside of this thing. I don't care if you're saying, okay, as long as Basler wins, we can still make other individuals. Absolutely not. I mean, you've got a talent in here like Asuka. She's fine. You, you don't need to do anything with her. No one, no one at this point gives two flying fucks about what's happening with the Riot Squad breakup. We we don't care about Liv Morgan. We, we don't care, care about, more about Liv Morgan.
0: Morgan's gear than we care about Liv Morgan.
1: Yes. No one is buying into Sarah Logan be- becoming someone that we're going to respect or look to to help carry division. Ruby can get there. It's bad timing. You talk about, you know, making a, a debut or a return, especially as you're a mid card or a newer talent on the road to WrestleMania. She's fallen into that. She's fallen into that that placement. Ruby's, Ruby can have her time. It's not right now. We don't need to do anything with this story. Natalia, she's always going to be there for you. She's in here because you need a general. You need a, a solid hand you trust. I have a feeling Natalya is really going to be that one that they're going to use to tell that story of the dominance of Baszler. This is absolutely what we need. But you know, even going into this thing, what, what hap- what's what's the man? What does this represent? Instead of sitting over there in your Big Bird Elton John looking costume, continuing to run your mouth, making it rain in the ring because you're prepared to pay your what have you done, Becky? Haven't you been putting putting Shayna on alert, <coughs> putting her on blast? that she better find you before you find her. Well, you've been in the same, but do you know where she's been at? Where have you been? Why aren't you hunting her down? I mean, this, she went cannibal on you. She took a chunk of flesh out of the back of your neck. And you're going to go out there and just kick it at an announce table while she's in a wrestling match? Blood for blood. You should be hungry to seek out that revenge. But no, you're just kicking it back. And nothing, again, here from the man but lip service. And in, in, as now we're just waiting to get to the meat and potatoes of this program, I'm starting to wonder if this is starting to turn people off to it. I know for me, certainly, who looks a little deeper things, I can say uh, uh, within a month ago when this program was being hinted at, at the Rumble, when we were looking forward to the potential for it, even the bite itself, Okay, let's see what you got, WWE. Let's get this thing going. I've cooled down immensely on this thing. Jargo, how about you?
0: Here's the problem, all right? They're trying to turn Becky Lynch into Conor McGregor. That's what they're trying to do. That's very much the impression I I, get.
1: I get it, but is it working?
0: Well, here's the problem with that. Conor McGregor is a big, big star. People will pay to see a Conor McGregor fight. People pay to see Conor McGregor get his fucking ass whipped. Conor McGregor is not a likable person. Conor McGregor is what some people might call a heel. And then on the same show, you position Shayna Baszler against Kyrie Sane. Kyrie Sane is what people would call a heel. So you're putting Shayna Baszler in a position to where Shayna Baszler is going to be cheered against an annoying heel Kyrie Sane. And then you have Becky doing the Conor McGregor shtick. People want to see Conor McGregor get his ass whipped. This is going to end up with Shayna Baszler as the babyface at WrestleMania against a heel Becky Lynch. That's the direction that this is going. And even in the Elimination Chamber, who do you want to see win this match? You want to see Shayna Baszler win this match. So people are going to be cheering Shayna Baszler to win this match.
1: Which you put yourself... uh, Unless that's their their directive.
0: And if so, they're fucking insane! Absolutely. I mean... as I'm looking at this, I mean, you're just looking at it on paper. This is the route to a baby face Shayna Baszler versus a heel Becky Lynch.
1: I mean, this is, I mean, so asinine. I mean, this is like going way, way back and in, in introducing where you're setting it up where people are going to boo Hulk Hogan and cheer Zeus.
0: Yes. Like, why would you do that? I I, I don't understand it at all. And and
1: you know, somewhere in their mindset, they're sitting back there looking, oh, look at the pageantry of McGregor. And and they're missing that bigger point. Yeah. People tune in for him. They'll laugh and joke about the antics and get behind that. But ultimately, when they tune in, you want to see him get his ass whipped. Yeah, yeah. That last fight, overwhelmingly, people want to see some cowboy shit. They were disappointed, you know. <laughs> disappointed the way it went. I mean, you've got to a point you can look at the entertainment aspect and it it is from that. But how much is it that people are taking it serious for, you know, going back to laughing at the business, where people are laughing at Conor McGregor. Or you know, or how many you know, if you're unfamiliar with it or like okay, this guy's serious, you know, he's out there dancing around in his fur coat, all of this bull, you know, BS bullshit that's going on with it. That's not really you're not pulling in that true fan base and getting people invested. It's it becomes more of, of a joke with the situation. And you had so much that people want to see McGregor get his ass beat. That it was it was seemingly a tweener versus tweener. You had people rooting for freaking Mayweather.
0: <laughs> you not know, one of the ultimate heels in sports, right? And it split the crowd. The heel of all heels, Floyd Mayweather, is getting cheered against Conor McGregor. Like what are you people doing? No, this is the anti-authority babyface who's the face of the fucking company. Like there, it it seems clear to me that on paper, like if you were going to write up, we're going to turn Becky Lynch heel, we're going to turn Shayna Baszler babyface. This is how you would do it. I mean,
1: you couldn't have got more heat in that boxing match if you had made Kanye West the special guest referee. Oh, and now goodness. that's your philosophy—is that let's let's take our top baby, our top draw, if you will, and Becky Lynch and turn her into that?
0: I don't get it. I just I don't understand. Also, at the Elimination Chamber, Eminem versus New Day versus Heavy Machinery versus the Lucha House Party. Versus the Usos versus Team Rudolph for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Huckleberry, chill away, man. Try to make me care about this match.
1: Well, you know, last night I said that I watched most of SmackDown. Uh, I did right up until the main event where they had all of these teams in a gauntlet match where Let's the winner would come in last, right? It would come in last. I don't even know who won that match, Rudolph. They won the thing. Yeah, of course. The
0: heels have to, you know, win the match because that way they have the advantage going into the chamber. It's pro wrestling 101.
1: I didn't even care at that point, you know, and and now I don't care about this at all. Uh, The only thing that I really can recall this and thinking back that I had in my notes is let's go back and remember how bad the last tag team elimination chamber match was. Probably the worst in the history of, of the gimmick.
0: Yeah. So let's do it for titles that nobody cares about.
1: I, I absolutely. That's all I had in my notes for this thing. It, it, it's rough to get. It's going to be rough to get through this this show.
0: Braun Strowman versus Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro, and Sami Zayn, three on one handicap match for the Intercontinental Championship. This is fucking stupid. I, there, there's no two ways about it. This is just plain fucking stupid
1: my uncle last night had a pretty good line. I was sitting there watching this with him and I didn't even know he was really aware of this. Maybe, maybe he's on board with it. You know, he needs to, he's getting up there. He's just turned 60, you know, he's lived a life like mine, you know, he in and out of bars. He, he goes, goes, goes. So he might be looking for that little edge, you know, to, to, to keep that, that hardness, if you will. Uh, you had these three last night, you had, you had Sammy leading the charge, Cesaro there, Nakamura, and, and they confronted the NWO. Can you believe that? They confronted Pac, X pac Hall, and Nash, who my uncle asked if that was the Blue Chew crew.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah.
1: He had dubbed them the Blue Chew crew.
0: Dude, how are we not getting a BWO reunion for a Blue Chew commercial?
1: Hey, we've got to get with the marketing department, right? We've got to get that thing going over there at the Hot mean Media Group.
0: God damn. Get on that, Stevie. Jeez. That just seems like a marketing opportunity lost. Um, Huckleberry, is it, do we get the title off of Braun Strowman here with it being three-on-one?
1: I'm still really curious of what if, if they have plans with Fury. I, I still think you go. That's your route for WrestleMania is Strowman versus Fury interesting
0: uh street profits versus seth and no longer my buddy murphy for the raw tag team titles of course the street profits winning in their now or never match because you know like that feels like something that you do after they've been losing tag team championship matches for like 18 months not when they've had like two opportunities at them
1: right Uh, hey thanks for coming uh you've been around what for like a sip of coffee you got to do it now or yeah you're you're wasted better hoped at some point we trade you somewhere else.
0: Yeah. Right. Uh, I assume street profits retain there. So that way we're free to do something with Seth and Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. Um, Andrade versus Humberto for the United States Championship. I assume that somehow this is going to become the full on Lucha House Party. Uh, But Rick, I am more interested in talking to you. There is a report out there that Rey Mysterio is going to take the opt out of his contract. Uh, Do you assume Rey Mysterio ends up in AEW? And what would you do with Ray Mysterio in AEW? Uh,
1: well, some questions here: Would this carry Ray through WrestleMania? Would it be a send-off that he can help put over these these younger Hispanic talents, or would that be an immediate exit from the company?
0: I assume that they would work something out to get him through WrestleMania. Okay, and, and you know, just to, to help sell that,
1: um, you know, to have somebody that is well recognized as Ray, and especially if you're going to be running out. You know, if it be who do you have him put or, over?
0: If if he's going to put somebody over at WrestleMania, who who is it? Is it Andrade? Is it Garza? Is it Humberto? Who like who do you pick?
1: Well, are are you still working on the impression that we're kind of leading towards like a four fatal four way with? And and then you have Ray as that selling point for these other. And, hey, they're all good looking. They, I think they have tremendous look. They're athletic. I, I can see upside for all of them. Uh, but you bring Ray as that familiar face? He's going to be again. He's that bait, and then you let them—you uh, let the other three go out there and work as your hook. Who shines there? That's up for debate, but I think you—that know, real selling point—if you're going to go any direction with with these young Hispanic talents—is you need Ray, and you got to believe to to get back. If, if he's done with WWE, he wants to move on. It could be for multiple reasons. You I don't—I don't, I don't want to say he's unhappy there. He just. He he has been traveling, working regular schedule, right? Uh, the, the rigors of, of that full time WWE schedule. He's been very committed, it seems, since his return here. But you got to believe it was ultimately to open doors for others, uh, a lot more so his son, because that deal's in place, correct?
0: As far as I know.
1: So you got to believe that he would be willing to to help out through this. But going forward, you know, immediately going back to everyone AEW AEW, obviously such a great schedule right there. That's going to intensify a little bit with with the addition of television.
0: And he does have history going back to All In.
1: You do have that there, but
0: that's why I think people immediately jump to that conclusion.
1: I, I just don't know where I'd fit him in there. Obviously, the more well you know, well known talent that you have is going to be beneficial to to everyone inside of that company. But in long term, I I don't know what the shelf life is there for him. I think it's great the way that they are presenting. I mean, do you think, does he come in as a main event? Are you going to put him in there or is he going to work mid-card to try to get some of those individuals over? You know, this goes back to a a conversation and and I wanted to present it to you to maybe talk about Monday Inside the Locker Room is, you know, over in Hamid Media Discussion Group on Facebook, we had a, a pretty good thread going about Again, the introduction of that mid-card title in AEW. No more belts. Well, and I, I didn't want to get into it, you know, with that angle here. I want to talk to you a little bit off air and maybe, you know, revisit this thing Monday because it's not about no more belts per se. I mean, there's all we can we can start peeling this thing back and hit these individuals that want that simple fix. Oh, they, they gotta have something, they gotta have something for them that's not really the case. And I've got like six or seven points now outside of just no more belts that will support that. Does Ray act as that support is, is it almost as like a championship going over him inside of a program that elevates somebody. Yeah. I'm looking at, you know, at other places here that Ray could go. If I'm him at this, at this phase, I almost just go with that freelance artist and float around, go do some things in Mexico. If you want, Yeah, I, you got to believe that he could make major money right now, going over and doing some tours in new Japan. Absolutely. Yeah. How incredible would it be, you know, in the next year or so to see him compete in the the super juniors.
0: I was just thinking what, one, one of the few things on Rey Mysterio's list of shit to do that hasn't been done, I think would have to be IWGP junior heavyweight champion.
1: You know, maybe to go over there and, to really set, to connect it to the West, you, you get this great connection and do like a, a tribute, a Ray Mysterio tribute to Liger tour.
0: That'd be great shit. That'd be great Hell,
1: shit. Hell, I, I, I wouldn't even be opposed to this. Now that you see people breaking those barriers, in, in, not just recently, but it's more of a hot topic now in New Japan, to see Ray even go compete in the G1. Yeah. Well, you know, someone that someone that over there would you would think is defined as that one of the, you know, the greatest super juniors or juniors, cruisers, wherever in the world, but has experienced tremendous success against the heavyweights. The government go see a run through a G one like that.
0: Yeah. Good shit. Uh, Daniel Bryan versus Drew Gulak Evidently this was added on Smackdown last night This screams pre-show kickoff match to me And it also screams potential stealer of the night Like these two guys could go out there And just put on one hell of a wrestling classic
1: yeah, That was one of the things that came to me When they set this thing up last night You know that
0: You're playing with fire WWE Gulak's
1: got it you know he's got the breakdown. He, when it comes to the kicks of Daniel Bryan, he'll tell you 308 ways that it's flawed, or whatever the hell he was going on about. You know he's 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 precisely and mathematically broken down Daniel Bryan. He's going to expose him to. The world. But looking at these two interact, man, my mind just kept going to. I wish we didn't currently have the Monday Night Messiah. And I wish back then we had the the Church of Earth, and that you would have had Gulak come along as one of the followers. I mean, these two look so similar too. This would have been, it would have been classic to see there's Gulak as one of the cronies in the Church of Earth for Daniel Bryan. the
0: The thing for me is, every time I watch Drew Gulak, I just imagine Damian Sandow. Like when he was when he was doing the genius I greater than you gimmick.
1: That's not necessarily a bad thing, you know. It shows how how. Diverse they are inside of their talents Or you could get labeled With that and
0: Yeah and it's it's a damn Shame too because Gulak is Great like in the ring He's really really good but You never really get to see him showcase It in a WWE so
1: context was, so, is, so is Aaron Stevens
0: Yeah yeah valid Uh Huckleberry I think this is also A potential main event AJ Styles versus Aleister Black no disqualification because I have a feeling that you could go off the air with an undertaker appearance here.
1: Or really just anything from undertaker. Uh, you could have the lights, you could have the gong. I know, but do you, maybe do you physically need them? Or are you just getting mind games from the undertaker?
0: I think this ends up with a three on one beat with the entire club beating up on Alistair Black. Lights go out, Undertaker appears, Undertaker and Alistair Black fight off the club, and that is your WrestleMania match. It's gonna be a three on two handicap match, the club versus the Undertaker and Alistair Black. You
1: no, know, I think you know, a lot of people would be like in and rightfully so, you know, in my mind, a big match like that. I like that singles match, but to protect individuals all around. I could see that. Would you you entertain the idea of uh, adding a third over there with Undertaker and Black?
0: Doesn't it give Aleister Black more of a rub if it's just the two of them?
1: Yeah, but the other name I was going to consider, though, was Kane.
0: Oh, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. But yeah, I I feel like they could really try to give Alistair Black that Undertaker rub by putting the two of them in a tag match. And then they take down all three members of the club and have like Alistair, you know, hits the um, black mass on AJ Styles. AJ, as he's falling over, falls into an Undertaker tombstone. Undertaker makes the pin gives the full rub to Alistair black and maybe Alistair black can be that supernatural character going forward.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I could kind of get behind that. And it was, you know, and a lot with the undertaker it's, it's about the, the imagery and the pageantry of a situation. Uh, I think it'd be kind of cool. You have, you have those guys go over, you're right there middle of, of Tampa stadium. The place is rocking Obviously, you let that match go later, so you've got the image. It's dark, and then you really hit the ring lights. you you got that low setting, a little bit of that mist coming up from under the ring. You've got Black standing there in the middle, maybe in his seated position. You've got The Undertaker and Kane, each at his sides doing a pose. And then you hit all four corners of the ring with that lightning.
2: In the fire. And then when
1: it, in, in the fire. And you have this big blinding blaze. And then when the ring lights reset, the Undertaker and Kane are gone.
0: Just give Alistair that rub of him sitting in the center of the ring. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'd be cool, man. I, I could absolutely see them trying to do that. And if they do try to set something like that up, I could see AJ Styles versus Alistair Black being the main event of the Elimination Chamber because, like I said, as it that's all the matches I mean, as I look at this thing, the women's elimination chamber should be the main event, but there's no intrigue there whatsoever. Like, everybody and their brother knows Shayna Baszler's winning that match. It, 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 there's really no, like, if
1: you're Becky Lynch, even in that mindset, oh, what if Becky could get in there and cost her a match? Well, then what was all that talk about, Becky?
0: Well, and if Becky gets in there and costs her that match, it just makes you want to see that match more and establish even more so what I was saying—that Becky's the fucking heel.
1: But I think on this, you know, if if you're going to go, here's what you're missing: instead of being that cool, that selling type that people are going towards, get, you need to go back to that path of re-establishing that she is that she's the ass kicker. She she's the one that makes the rules. Think about you know. Now, in comparison that Stone Cold would be hunting her down. And I know they keep, I hate to keep going back to that, but I think it's a fair comparison of what is going to sell, what people want to buy in with Becky. That's what they want. That's what the man represented from the get go. Stone Cold would be taking out all the other competitors. I'm making sure 100% that you win that match. I don't care about all these other. I've already just proven that Asuka. I already went and collected that debt. I don't even give a shit who the riot squad is. And I'm sorry, Natalia. Yeah, you're you're the old mother hen here around the farm, but you're on the tracks, you're in my way. I want Baszler. I don't care if it's a chamber, what the hell? I'm taking every none of you are gonna make it to the chamber. You're gonna be she's gonna stand there for the countdown for every pod until you get counted out. And you're going to raise her hand and there is nothing stopping you, Baser, from going to WrestleMania because when you do get on that road to WrestleMania, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to embarrass you on the grandest stage of all. I did it to your friend, Ronda, and I'm going to do it to you. And this is damn more personal than it was a year ago.
0: Is that what this is all about? Is it all about Ronda Rousey? Is, is this all about we have to position Shayna as the babyface? Because we know when Rousey comes back, she's going to be against Shayna and Rousey's clearly going to be the heel.
1: So you're sacrificing something that where you can print your own damn money in Becky?
0: Because they think there's more money in Rousey.
1: For the short term? Is Rousey going to come stick around for fucking work all of your shows nonstop for the next three years?
0: Is there anything that the WWE is doing that is not short term right now?
1: I, I just, it's just baffling that you would think in that set. I mean, unless there's something behind there, we heard rumblings where Becky said, Yeah, I'm ready to leave to go have kids.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Let's talk about Monday Night Raw. Huckleberry Edge is going to be on Monday Night Raw this week. I feel like this is a week too early. I, I, last week, Randy comes out. He ends up RKO and Beth Phoenix. Well, she had it coming. I mean, you you can't slap Randy Orton like that and not expect to get RKO'd. She knew it. She had it coming. Um, So this week, Edge is going to return to Monday Night Raw. I understand it. I understand, like... Edge should start Monday Night Raw. Edge should be at the Elimination Chamber. He should be looking for Randy Orton because he's pissed off that Randy Orton RKO'd Beth Phoenix. But what I expected them to do was have Randy come out, cut a promo this week, and next week we would get Edge's return to Monday Night Raw. But no, we're we're, we're going to do that this Monday. What do you think, Uncle Barry? What do we expect from Edge on Monday Night Raw?
1: Now, i, I got to disagree with you on this one, Jordan. I think this is the timing is right. Uh, somebody, somebody takes their puts their hands on on Carly. You're not sitting back waiting. You're hungry. You're you know this is almost what we're talking about there with with Becky and Basil. I mean, Juggler, you're you're hungry for that blood. You're getting revenge for your family, right? I th- I don't think that they're going to enough lengths to emphasize how just right out dastardly and, and devilish and what a bastard Randy Orton is for for doing perpetrating such a heinous crime on Beth Phoenix
0: Well, well wait 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 heinous crime heinous crime what like whatever happened to the whole mentality of you know you fight like a man you get treated like one. Like she, she put her hands on Randy well before he RK that's,
1: owed her. That's okay when you're sitting as a third party and you're sitting like, okay, this is the squared circle. This is pro wrestling. Anything can happen here. You step in between those ropes. You want to mix it up with the big boys. You better be prepared for what's coming. But you're sitting in edge of shoes. And this son of a bitch, the guy you used to ride with, He just. It, it's not It's not that he had just done this to you. It's not that he has done this to another legend in in Hardy. He's just walking around. The viper, being the viper, I mean, what a just a bastard in himself. He put his hands on your wife, the mother of your children, the person you have devoted your life to. This son of bitch has got to go down. Now, what I would have done to add a little more to this, we heard the rumors that Christian might have got involved with this. I think I would have. I think I would have played the Christian angle in there, and then went to Beth Phoenix. So I would have moved this thing back maybe two weeks to a. Now, you don't have a month. I mean, two weeks, probably. But we we don't have that now. We've got what happened. He put his hands on Edge's wife, on the Hall of Famer, Beth Phoenix. WWE loves to to, to tout their success on social media. They love to run their angles through there. Why is this not all over their social media? Why is Edge not being followed you know, you're showing him right now, even himself, because we do live in this age. You know, people vent their frustrations on social media. Cut a real quick one where he's packing his bag. I'm just letting you know. I know you can hear me. And I've I, I taken a social media, not because I feel it's the right place to vent or it's my style, but I know you're going to get this message, Randy Orton. I'm coming hunting for you. I'm coming for the snake. Wherever you are, I've got a tenuary right here. I know where every Raw Lives event is this week. I'm going to be there, you son of a bitch. I'm gonna find you in that arena. Have Edge show up at every live event this week. You're gonna tell me I ain't gonna help boost some uh, walk-up sales. People are gonna be on their cell phones, taking a social media, showing Edge going out there, storming the ring, sitting in a chair. I'm waiting on Randy Orton, <clears throat> only to find out that the snake has slithered his way out of town already. He's not gonna be making an appearance that night. You have him on the chase. You've got that, that grassroots. You've got your own .com. you got your own social media following this thing. You've got fans following this thing. Edge is on the hunt. And it's going to come to a head Monday night on Raw.
0: Yeah, but no. Instead, they just announced it on social media. And he's, he'll be yeah,
1: there. We, we get the stupid Raw graphic, right? You know, the, the cutout, <laughs> the JPEG. Let's <laughs> throw it on there. Edge is coming, guys. We found out. He's going to let this thing fester all week. But tune in. Make sure you tune in at eight because it's only going to get about twenty minutes, and then you're not going to hear about it the rest of the night. That's how intense this is.
2: Yep,
0: for sure, for sure.
2: Hey, let's uh, see how many
1: fucking fucking. You know what? It's, this isn't about Beth. This is radio. This isn't about what you did to me. You you took me out. Try to re-injure my neck. Put me in a wheelchair. End my life. This isn't about you. taking out. You know, Hardy. This isn't about you. you you hitting an RKO on my on my wife, the mother of my children. This is about eight sign points at WrestleMania. You <laughs> son of a bitch!
0: Fantastic. Uh, so let's talk about Goldberg, champion of the universe, Bill Goldberg. Uh, he was on WWE's The Bump earlier this week and had some words for the WWE audience that is unhappy that bill goldberg is your champion of the universe let's throw it over to a a couple of words from good old bill goldberg welcome to wwe's the bump thanks brother congratulations on winning the universal title at wwe super showdown but the question that's on everyone's mind is how did you take someone down like the fiend who seemed so unbeatable up until you got your hands on him
2: i'm goldberg <laughs> that's amazing mike drop he just mic dropped it right there i don't know how else to answer that i mean is there anything that you'd you like to say to the doubters out there uh i'd love to see them do it mm-hmm. at any age let alone 53 you know um i answered a phone call And I did whatever I could do to get ready in a short period of time and uh, provide a little bit of Goldberg out there. And uh, fortunately, I was able to do it. And uh, I'm just looking forward to the next one because I get four weeks instead of three to prep for this one.
0: Wow. (laughs) Uh, and Goldberg, you touched on it there a little bit. You won your first heavyweight title in 1998. You just won your most recent heavyweight title in 2020, and you're still wrecking elite superstars in under five minutes. What do you attribute that to, and how difficult of a thing is that for you to keep be at this high a level still over two decades? It's absolutely amazing.
2: Well, first and foremost, thank you very much. I mean, it's, it's kind of surreal for me. There's no question. I, I mean, I remember. I remember ragging on uh, Ric Flair at 42 years old for being in the ring, and here I am, 11 years his senior, uh, when I made the comment, and I'm still doing it. But uh, just like I mentioned to somebody yesterday, you know, they're like, "Hey, when are you going to hang it up?" <clears throat> the fact is, is that if I get a phone call and if I believe that I can still do what I did back in the day, uh, and, and and bring it to. At least an acceptable level, then I'm not going to say no. I'm a defensive lineman. I'm a me head by by trade. So if you <laughs> if you give me give me you know uh, a challenge, I'm going to take it. Now, unfortunately, with such a short period of time, you know you jeopardize everything uh, by being a power wrestler and being 53 years old and 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 still being able to get in shape enough to look myself in the mirror without throwing up. <laughs> Uh, and then going out and performing, you know to an acceptable level. It, it's it's very tough. I mean it really is. There's a lot of things I've done throughout my life that lobotomized me in the process and and this is no different.
0: Well, Rick, so now the question is, is this Goldberg trying to do character work or is this just, Goldberg being the typical douchebag that Goldberg is because Goldberg's never necessarily been one to really mix words with the media. He's never really been one to care much about what people think of him. What do you think? Is this supposed to be kayfabe or is this just Goldberg?
1: I'm leaning more towards kayfabe, but come on, the bump, the bump. Obviously, I mean, you're calling out the haters here. I got news for you, Goldberg. You know, unless someone caught up on social media, uh, the bump is not the platform to reach the haters because only those that are truly drinking the Kool-Aid that love WWE are tuning into the bump. What the fuck is the bump? Like, I've never even
0: heard of this before. Like, I don't even know what this
1: is. This is one of those things. uh, WWE, please stop sending me requests to update my billing information. Now, you know, it's, it's, they're not even in my emails now. They're on my Facebook timeline to remind me, don't wrestle WrestleMania, update your billing information. Uh, it's one of those shows that they're trying to pitch to you that it's behind the scenes. It's it's very e, E-esque. Uh, uh, they, this is worth $9.99 a month. Uh, No, thank you. You know, when it comes to bumps in WWE, let me tell you the only bump I care about and that is the bump on Nikki Bella. I mean, she's already gorgeous enough, but yeah, you throw that pregnancy in there. I guess I'll expose a little business here. Come on. Pregnant girls are hot, right, Jargo?
0: Did you see that they pulled their appearance from WrestleMania Access? Really? I have to assume that this is due to the 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 potential coronavirus outbreak, and we have two pregnant Bella twins. We can't have them out there shaking hands and 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 you know meeting with you know you dirty fucking marks. Like we, we can't have oh, that, well, man.
1: Yeah, you know what? Hey, they, those marks, marks, mark cards. I mean, they're not really worthy of the Bellas. And you talk about that, that that beautiful bump there on Nikki. God, I mean, is there anything better than the and then and then I guess indulging with a pregnant lady? What is old George Carlin saying it's like putting gas in a car that's already been wrecked?
0: Oh Jesus Christ. Oh my
1: God. Hey the Bellas, they were on the talk last week. And you see if you capped that I was out on a taco tour. Taco tour Tuesday. And we, we hit up a, a tremendous spot on the west side of Cincinnati. Uh Barivella Cruz. I know it sounds a lot like that professor guy, but this this place was actually over. And it made a lot of sense. So I enjoyed going there, but as we're sitting there enjoying our fine, our fine dining, on on the talk, we got to listen to the Bella share share their insight into what they've got going on in their life, and it was quite intriguing, I'll tell you.
0: Oh yes, like whatever, yeah. Uh, let's talk about NXT: Chaos in the Cage times two. On this week's episode of NXT. Um, Rick, I hated this episode of NXT because basically all they taught me was cage matches and wins and losses don't matter. Like this felt like this was some main roster kind of bullshit. You know
1: what I really don't like, especially, and this was, it holds so true with these two matches, is the escape clause inside of the cage matches. And these are two very hot programs. All of these individuals, they just want to rip one another apart. So your objective is to get away from that person.
0: <laughs> well, and and well, we'll talk about Dream and Roddy here in a second, but and I could
1: see it in, in some cases where I mean, where that would be a nice little twist for the gimmick. But especially with these two, I mean, this has been long building. You just want to rip and tear everyone apart. That cage is there to be used as a weapon and keep others away. Should be about you getting out of the damn thing.
0: And we still, we have accomplished nothing with Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. Like we've accomplished nothing here. This thing started in a War Games match. We've already seen the street fight. Now we've seen the cage match. Like what in the fuck do you do for a blow off here?
1: I mean, I guess it's either like a last a last person standing or an I quit, but I mean, why at this point, why are we building so much into this program? And it, it's almost when I started gimmicking this thing out is where it really started to fall apart. I, I will say I did like the spot though, with the cage door, to hold knocks.
0: I, I thought the finish was, was brilliant. I just didn't like the finish in the context of this feud, because now we've seen what should have been the second potential blow off match, not feel at all like a blow off. Absolutely.
1: I'm with you there. I mean, the spot worked, but the storytelling absolutely did not.
0: Exactly. Um, and kind of the same thing with Roddy and Dream. With, with with Dream basically tosses Roddy off of the cage so Roddy wins the match just so Dream can announce that he's going after the NXT championship. So you lose the fucking match, you lose the feud. What in the hell, why do you deserve a shot at the championship? You haven't won a match since you came back.
1: Well, here's another thing into this. What, what reasoning is there for Roddy to back down now? Oh, I won that match. I'm good. I don't care that you ultimately insulted my family and my manhood. And, and why that she'd did pretty you pretty much have just
0: used me. <laughs> and why did he do that? Like what did Roddy have to do with this? Like okay, so when Dream got written off of TV, it was because the undisputed era beat him down, right? So Dream comes back and picks a fight with Roddy. Why didn't he just pick a fight with Adam Cole? If if this was the end game, why not just pick a fight with Adam Cole? What did what did Roddy have to even do with this?
1: And I guess maybe you could go with, you know, Dream playing those mind games. Ah, uh, but on one case there. I mean, okay, you're starting. Maybe he's starting to try to show cracks where he's trying to split the undisputed era. Now, I could see you getting really deep into that. I don't trust that they are, but I, I could I could go down that rabbit hole. I, we could start exploring that that storytelling. Uh, but are we really to believe that that Adam Cole truly deep down inside cares about anything but himself and that championship?
0: Okay, well, but again, like this is very much like the Sheena Baszler and Becky Lynch thing, right? So the solution here is we're gonna have Dream come out and be a complete dick to Roderick Strong, and thus, if this was any other story, if you didn't know these characters and you had just tuned into USA Network to start watching this, right? Velveteen Dream is clearly the heel. And Roderick Strong is fighting for the honor of his family. So then moving forward, we're going to go to Adam Cole. So we have a dickhead Velveteen Dream versus Adam Cole, who is at best a tweener to begin with. Then you have Fish and O'Reilly, who later on in the show are interrupted by the Grizzled Young Veterans, so thus it puts them in a babyface kind of position. Like, are we trying to turn undisputed era babyface? face are, are is that the goal here? Because that's clearly what's happening.
1: Maybe they are looking at, you know, maybe we got to look at, you know, venture into some different style of booking here. Uh, and as, we're, as we talk about it out loud, it, 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 I guess there is a little bit of intrigue to see where it is going there forward. Uh, to me, outside of this week's program, I know you got some other matches here. Well, I guess this is more. So we're going to talk about going forward each and every week. It just becomes more and more clear. They have got to do something to shake this up. And I know the simple answer is to get the hell out of full sale. And I don't, in you know, I was talking with Craig Horsley about this and he was like, they, they got to get in, you know, in front of more than 4,000 people. I don't know if that's the issue. I think it's more. So it's that it's that same 4,000 people, but I'm wondering more if it's it has to do also with production. It just doesn't have this. It doesn't have that same vibe since they moved to USA. And, and I asked this question over on Facebook and How Many Media Discussion Group, and so many people are meeting. Oh, ECW, ECW. I don't think that's the answer at all either. I think you need to find some kind of hybrid of of NXT and maybe like a shotgun Saturday Night. I, it just needs to have its own distinct feel there. I don't feel the excitement that I should have. Is you, you you get that semi pop there for Dream. He grabs that title. He's standing over Adam Cole. It it didn't take me to that next level, and it hasn't for some le- for some time now.
0: It feels like it's it feels like it's being written week to week. It feels like it's Monday Night Raw. It feels like it's Friday Night SmackDown. It feels like it's a WWE property. And this is about the time where you, I really expected to start feeling that. I mean, let's remember, not only did NXT move to USA, they made the move to live. So we had all this time where we were praising them for their storytelling when they would go out there and they would do like a taping once every month or six weeks and they could tell their stories. And now we're doing it every week. So we had all these stories written through, you know, like this point. And now those stories have ran out. And it feels like we're just getting a week-to-week wrestling show underneath of the WWE umbrella. This does not feel like NXT. This feels like a third brand.
1: And I'm really glad that you mentioned that, Jer- That you mentioned that there, Jargo. It Because that was one of the feelings that that I had looking at this Wednesday night and, and, and doing it in a comparison of why am I gravitating towards and ultimately praising so much of AEW as opposed to trying to find faults inside of NXT. And it's not that I'm trying to favor one product over the other. When I look at the ratings, I'm not for Wednesday night. I'm not looking at how many are watching TNT as opposed to USA. I'm looking at the overall number. How many people are just watching wrestling? That's what's important to me is promoting the business as a whole. How many people are taking their time from either the Monday, to the Friday, you know, the normal of a Raw or SmackDown, and now we're focusing in on just two great products on a Wednesday night? But when I sit there and I really, you know, and I separate the right and the left, NXT, AEW, it dawned on me. I'm more into AEW because they're doing such a better job of telling me stories and letting in introducing me to characters than I'm getting on NXT, and it's a, it's no secret out there. I, I enjoy a good entertaining technical match, but I want to have those at those big moments. Give me those at takeovers. Give me those at the end of a program. I don't need them week in week out. I don't care about your technical prowess and all that display. I want to get invested. I want to get behind the, the personas, behind the the programs. And they're giving me that for the most part. And they're certainly giving it to me in the big spots in AEW. And I'm not getting that from NXT.
0: Yep, absolutely. Um, and a perfect example of it is next week, we are going to have a North American championship match between Cameron Grimes and Keith Lee. Rick, what in the world has Cameron Grimes done to earn a shot at the North American championship outside of coming out with a microphone last week while Keith Lee was standing in the ring trying to cut his promo.
1: Well, but because there's a shiny belt. Don't you like keys being jingled in your face? It's all, we had belts. That
0: makes everything better. I mean, that's why you're, that's why you're invested. This is the main roster lowest common denominator booking that we've been talking about for two and a half years. We need a hook for next week. Oh, well, let's do Grimes versus Keith Lee. Uh, Keith's in the ring cutting his promo. Cameron goes out there and cuts him off, and Lee gives him a title shot next week. Okay, sounds good, boss.
1: Yeah, you know, instead of maybe like, you know, you, you kick it off with that where now we've got a little intrigue. Okay, uh, maybe he interrupts one more match, and then for another two weeks he's cutting backstage promos about how he's not. He's not going to bask in anyone's glory. Yeah, he watched Survivor Series. He's watched the Rumble. He's not impressed one bit.
0: Keith Lee's ducking me.
1: And then within a month, if it's a television match, now we've got something to build behind, right?
0: But when you're writing TV week to week, you don't set those kind of stories up. And that's the difference between NXT a year ago and NXT right now. Let's talk about not setting something up. One story, I'm actually enjoying this, although I am a little perplexed. Finn Balor versus Walter is going to happen at TakeOver, and I have to imagine this is because the women's championship is going to be on the line at WrestleMania, so we need another championship match. Let's have Walter come over and defend his championship. But so they had Imperium attack Finn Balor two weeks ago. This week, Finn cuts a promo and basically says, you know, thank you, Walter, because you've put me in this position where I have always been the hunter, and now you have put me in the position of the hunted, so thank you. And Rick, it seems like beating the shit out of Johnny Gargano in Portland turned Finn Balor babyface like that was his his big babyface turn was by beating up Johnny Loser and from this point forward it feels like they've kind of positioned Finn as like an anti hero an anti hero babyface to go after Walter Imperium and the NXT UK Championship but I feel like I lost like a good four or five weeks worth of storytelling in there somewhere well,
1: absolutely. As I was talking about, you know, this week to week and I'm not I'm not down on this program. I have liked how they've done that. I'm looking forward to this thing. Uh, what I meant there is it just seems like Finn has really just now they're turning to him in that Kevin Owens role. where We'll use you where we need you because we know you we know your name value. Right. When Finn when Finn reemerged in NXT, he was very excited looking forward to great things, you know, to just the return of what we had come to know from him really in new Japan, where he was going to take that game to the next level. He had changed his moveset. He wasn't, he wasn't pandering. You we were really excited about what he was going to bring to the table. And that's all seemed to fade it. And I was expecting some bigger things and not that this isn't a, a hell of a marquee, but I was expecting Finn to really be that trailblazer for NXT and be the one lead. It's really leading them. In this charge and what they're trying to accomplish on Wednesdays, and I feel that he has really just become, Oh, it's Finn Balor. You know, he was a first Universal Champion. He had his, he had his rub with the red and the blue. You should just tune in for him. I feel like they just cooled him off here. When they could have had something really spectacular.
0: And if you're going to go the anti-hero babyface kind of role, why wouldn't you do Finn Balor versus Adam Cole?
2: I Absolutely.
1: Mean, And you talk about a reason to bring the demon to Tampa. Right. Because it's not against just Adam Cole. It's against Undisputed Era. I mean, Finn Balor, the man, how is he going to survive the Undisputed Era, these these four of the best in the world that are redefining the game? Well, Finn Balor, the man, can't. But he happens. But he knows someone that can. I mean, that's what you would think. Could you you imagine – Oh, my God, that would play in so perfectly with the theme down there.
0: When I first saw this, I thought this was going to be for TakeOver Ireland. Not for Tampa, but it it seems like they're doing this in Tampa. So I can't help but wonder, does Finn Balor win the championship from Walter and drop it to somebody in Ireland? Do we do Demon versus Walter? Can you get this thing hot enough to do Demon versus Walter and Tampa? See, and I, to me,
1: sure, that works. I, I just think, you know, when we're looking at building these these magnificent, these truly over-the-top cards that they just missed out by not putting Finn in that main event and vigilate out there against. And I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I thought I that they're selling him short. They're not truly utilizing the star power, the potential of Finn Balor, and it's beginning to play out that way.
0: Yeah. Weird. Um, Let's talk a little bit about AEW. Uh, This week on AEW, we're going to get the newest faction in AEW, the Death Triangle versus Private Party and Joey Janela. Rick, Joey Janela came out with this a couple of days ago, and I thought this was an interesting quote that kind of goes along with the show here. At first, they, AEW, were telling me that I couldn't do any dates, talking about indie dates. By that time, I hadn't announced the farewell show and stuff. Suddenly, I start seeing people popping up at Northeast Wrestling, and I found out we could do Indies. We just had to get them approved, revealed Janella. But I'd already announced my retirement show, and I didn't want to Terry Funk everyone, which I already have. I think now I'm back to full time on the Indies. My work was really suffering with the lack of dates. I had a certain flow, and once you go from wrestling four to five times a week to twice a month, your work is going to suffer no matter what. Your instincts are not going to be great, stated Janella. Rick, it, while this is all true about Joey Janella and his return to the indies, and that's all one conversation, I wanted to spend this to talk about the women's division because this women's division is not getting any better and it's not getting any better because they're not out there and they're not working four to five times a week. They're out there working twice a month and how in the hell is anybody supposed to get any better?
1: Well, I mean, do we know that they're are we not seeing them out there working some indie dates? Are you seeing them out there working
0: indie dates? I
1: mean, not, not that I'm absolutely following every little move that they're making.
0: No, neither I, am I, uh, but I mean, I'm not hearing about it. I mean, I, I hear about random talents all the time working independent dates, but I never see anything like, you know, catch Chris Statlander at this indie show. Like, I never see well, any of that.
1: Well, I do know that they had pushed uh, her title match a couple of weeks ago on on Dynamite because she had she had a previous engagement with an indie show. But you know, let's see. We talk about it. let's let's use this for an example. Then let's let's twist this thing. If you want people to be become more turned on to your women's division, and let them know that they, hey, they are out there working. We you know instead of telling us to be patient while you work through some of these kinks, you know, show us that you're doing that. Promote. It doesn't. You don't have to do it on television, but use your social media. You know, use. Whatever outlets you might have there, if you don't want to just outright say, "Hey, you know, put over independence on your programming," but there's other there's other platforms that you can use. There's other resources. Hey, see see a star of dynamite in the northeast at these promotions or hey, it could be anywhere. Uh, let them know that they are out there working. Promote your talent there. Use that as kind of your grassroots. Those are your live events. If you want to see AEW talent, but especially the ladies, to get them out there. I think this would be a tremendous fix for them to go out there and start working some of these shows with matches that you have planned for programming two months down the road. I mean, isn't that what live events are for?
2: Yep,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what's missing. Like, they're just not getting any better, just running in quicksand.
1: You know, and one of the reasons that we it gets so much praise, and rightfully so because they are very talented, is the NXT Women's Division. Yep. They have a performance center to sit there and work through those matches on the weekly.
0: You bet. Five
1: days a week. You bet. Yeah, there's a reason that you know you see someone like a Lacey Evans that, okay, she could do this. Well, she's had she's been practicing that match for two weeks. Yeah. There's why you see a fall off when she goes to the red and blue.
2: Yep.
0: Absolutely. Uh let's talk about the death triangle. Yeah, the new faction inside of AEW. I'm talking about Ray Phoenix pentagon jr and pack the death triangle rick what a stupid fucking name is that
1: hold on i can't believe this i thought of all the people you'd have it prepared here i can't, you don't have it in spanish it sounds so much cooler in spanish
0: triangulo de la murta yeah, that sounds
1: way cooler than death triangle
0: isn't that fucking cool put that on a goddamn t-shirt triangulo de la murta You bet your ass, fuck yeah Put that on a t-shirt That's cool Death Triangle What the
1: fuck It sounds like a a fucking 80's rock cover band
0: (laughs) What do you think of the pairing of the three of them
1: Is is Death Triangle going to be opening for Fozzy
0: Yeah, right Uh, What do you think of the uh, pairing Of these three guys All kind of together What do you think of it
1: I'm okay with it, I guess I'm in, I'm intrigued to see the direction here. I, I don't know if this is something short term uh, that we could look towards, like for the the war games that they have, or was it blood and guts?
2: Yeah.
0: Um. How about this? We were talking. You were talking about
1: bad bad names, blood and guts.
0: Oh, I think that's great. You like that?
1: Yeah, I like that. Blood and gu- I don't. It sounds like a.
0: It's a shot at Vince because Vince said that that's what AEW was. They were blood and guts. And I know, came back and, and just, said, "You damn right we're blood and guts." Now they're doing a show called Blood and Guts.
1: I don't know. It seems like a like a Nickelodeon afternoon game show.
0: It does, kind of. Um, how about that when we break up the Death Triangle? Which, ironically enough, I just got a virus definition update. How funny! Um, when we break up the Death Triangle, this is where we use Ray Mysterio. And Rey Mysterio pulls Rey Phoenix back to the light, and you end up with Rey Mysterio and Rey Phoenix versus Pac and Penta. And eventually, we break all four of them off into singles acts because the Lucha Bros just aren't doing it for me anymore. I don't want to see Pac affiliated with really anybody. I mean, he's a bastard. And I think they're. Every day that Ray Phoenix is not one of your top three singles baby faces, you're just losing on money.
1: But I'm telling you right there, I, hey, you talk about two incredible matches potential for all out next year.
0: Yeah, fuck yeah. Uh,
1: Pack and Ray Mysterio, and then you got Phoenix and Penta. Penta?
0: Hell yes. Sign me up for that.
1: I, I, we were talking about what you do with Ray. He, I think you know if the conversation comes around to, to fill itself out. I'm absolutely down with that one.
0: Chris Jericho update. Uh, this is coming from our good friend Dave Meltzer. Chris Jericho's band Fozzy is touring around the U.S. from April 16th until May 9th. It will not affect AEW since the band isn't doing any shows on Tuesday or Wednesdays so he can fly into the city where Dynamite is taped and be there all day to get ready. Rick, Dave Meltzer a fucking idiot. Let me tell you what you don't want to do when you're on tour for a month. Leave the tour for 48 hours to fly into some random city to go perform for 15 minutes on a wrestling show to get back on an airplane and fly back to the fucking tour. You do that maybe, maybe once if you pay me really, really well to do it. This is a perfect example of of, Meltzer talking out of his ass.
2: yeah,
1: I was going to say, you know, when I saw this here, that was my first my first thought was, you got to be kidding me. It, you really understand this travel? And then then what really got to me is, okay, uh, is he's really just showing in here in this example how much of a, a mark that he is. that oh, it's this is the most important thing in the world right now. I'm gonna say I have to be at the wrestling show every week.
0: No, not happening, bro.
1: But like, but like you said, unless there's like a a must, if we might see him once, twice during this thing.
0: And it's for a month. Who fucking cares? You you could film four weeks worth of pre-tapes with Chris Jericho. You could have three pre-tapes and a phone call with Sammy Guevara, clearly on the phone with Chris Jericho, where you only hear one side of the conversation. You could do all kinds of crazy shit with Chris Jericho that doesn't require him to be on TV for four weeks.
1: Well, it's, it's it's incredible. We live in a world where, I mean, you could have Jericho live on your program while he's on, you know, in another city. It's an amazing time that we live in. Speaking of Fozzie though, they're coming. They're coming to, to Cincinnati area. I Harrison, it. Ohio. No, they are. They're, well, hey, they're gonna be taking the same stage that yours truly resides on during battle of battle on the border shows. They're running the
0: same venue. You know, my my best friend Chris Jericho, man, he puts on one hell of a show. Um I I wanna see Jericho cut a promo on national T V over FaceTime. Like, I want Sammy Guevara to stand in the ring with Jericho on FaceTime, holding the phone for the TV camera and the microphone up to the fucking phone for Jericho to cut a promo over FaceTime on national TV. I think that would be fucking priceless. I don't care if he's in the back. Just do it. I think it would be freaking priceless. That that Via technology, he can just show up without even being there
1: what if you had okay i I think that's tremendous i think that'd be great what if you had him just on a personal call with sammy uh then sammy whispers to hager who writes something down on the cue card and then they hold it up
0: (laughs) i love it i love it there's so many things you can do with jericho he's he's just great
1: uh well isn't isn't it the whole thing they were doing this week with the if you can walk out of here didn't they kind of leave that open, open ended to what that means? Yeah, that he would take a leave.
0: Very open ended. I could see him just taking a leave because he wants to, because he's la champion, even though he's not title the or not. Yeah, I title or was, not, he's still I thought the that champion. Was the right. Uh, The search for Spears, the the search for Sean Spears' tag team partner crashed the AEW company email server because they got so many responses. Huckleberry, did you send in your uh, video there to be uh, Sean Spears' tag team partner?
1: Man, I I don't know if I'm worthy, man. I, I don't quite know, but I don't know. Should I be on the lookout for a new tag team partner?
0: Let's talk about Jake the Snake. Jake, the snake Roberts breaks the Internet Uh, when he showed up the other night. I wish they would have waited a little bit like Cody, like cuts that promo and he's like, you know, MJF, if you got any balls, you know, come on out here. And like immediately they hit Jake, the snakes music. I would have rather they waited for like, you know, 30 seconds. Jake comes out, cuts one hell of a promo. I enjoyed the shit out of it. But the real question is, Huckleberry, who is Jake, the snakes, Roberts client? Um, a couple of names that have kind of been thrown out there, obviously Matt Hardy, it it seems as though it's inevitable that he is going to be coming to AEW Lance Archer, which it is inevitable. He is coming to AEW and everybody's going to die. The other one that's kind of been thrown out there is Brody Lee. And I think that's my favorite one have, uh, Jake out there cutting promos for Brody while he just stands there with his crazy beard and crazy eyes. I think that could be fantastic television. Huckleberry, who do you want to be the client of Jake the Snake Roberts?
1: I'm a, I'm a little different on this here, but I did want to touch on what you said there. absolutely uh, was enthralled with the, with the promo that he cut, going right at Caesar. Uh, my, my only thing on it, and I love how you put it out there, too, if you wait a little bit to, you know, to drum up that drama. That's what TNT is about, right? Drama. Drum up that drama a little bit. But one of the only things that turned me off here is it seems that this is a reoccurring thread. If you want to come into AEW, you target Cody. It is, I mean, it is just, isn't that almost the basis of everything we've had? Yeah. If you're coming in to make a splash, you just go with Cody. And I get that. I mean, it works so often you're going at the, the top guy, the top gun. Uh, but it, it's, they're going to the well a little too much. But I guess that's a little nitpicking. Uh, but I love the promo there. But the big question that you're throwing out here, Jargo, is is who is he going to be representing? Who Who is the snake leading through the weeds to, to strike at Cody? Obviously, Hardy doesn't need it. I think they could do some tremendous work together, but he doesn't need that. I'm going to disagree with you in your session that Brody, that he would be a good representative. To me it almost, it, you're putting that stigma on Brody where he needs that mouthpiece and he needs to be a follower of sorts because it, it resembles a lot of what we saw with the Wyatt family. I think you really need to do something with, with Brody to, as a breakout. Let him know that he is here to stand on his own. He is his own man. He is no longer a follower. He is not a, a Basham brother, a bruising brother, whatever the hell he was. To me, it's Lance Archer. And not saying that Archer needs someone to do his talking, because he absolutely does not. But let's be realistic about this. To this newer audience, he's not as recognizable. And someone to give someone to lend the credibility and the just the recognizability of Jake the Snake Roberts is going to do a great deal in building that true star that you could potentially have with Archer.
0: If that is the case, I'm 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 absolutely down with Jake the Snake Roberts being the manager of Lance Archer. I'm totally down with it, but here's how every promo has to go. Jake stands out there with the microphone, talks for a couple of minutes, and then at the end of the promo, Lance wraps it up with everybody dies. That's it. The two-word promo, everybody dies. Cause you got Jake, who's nice and quiet and laid back, and then you've got Lance, who is super intense all the time. Everybody dies.
1: Well, I can see, you know, you could start into that kind of that thread, or you know, if it's if it's the venom or the squeeze when it, when a snake chomps down on you, or when it just wraps itself around you, there's only one result. Everybody. dies. Everybody dies.
0: I like it. Let's talk a little bit on New Japan and Ring of Honor as we wrap things up this week. The New Japan Together Project. Huckleberry, if you've got two hours of your time uh, to devote to absolute mindless nonsense, Hiromu Takahashi and Tetsuya Naito sat down and they did an interview inside of Korokan Hall where they... Both kind of picked their favorite matches and they told the story of how L.I.J. all came together and all the backstory of their relationship. Oh, yeah. And Hiromu encourages you to, you know, wash your hands and gargle throughout the uh, entire thing, which is hilarious. Um, he also pretends to be invisible for a while and screws with the guy that is hosting the show. Um, it, it's Absolute nonsense, ridiculousness. Uh, there's also one about Okada. That's kind of a day, the day of Kazuchika Okada, um, and and that's uh, rather humorous as well. If you uh, feel like inclining yourself to watch it, I doubt that you will. Uh, let's talk about some Ring of Honor, uh, Super Card of Honor starting to come together a little bit. Of that, of course, the the big show going down in Lakeland, Florida, WrestleMania weekend. Your main event. Huckleberry, Roosh will defend against Flip Gordon for the ROH World Heavyweight Championship. That, of course, assuming that Mark Haskins doesn't take the championship from Roosh first, which I don't think is going to happen. So Roosh versus the mercenary Flip Gordon for the ROH World Heavyweight Championship. What do you think? Do you like
2: it?
1: I think if you're in, I think you're going to get some big spots in here. I'm looking for some devastating spots. Uh, But it is what it is. I think there's a lot more to be excited on this card than, than this championship match.
0: Nick Aldis versus PCO. I'm still hoping that Sweet Sweet Charlotte ends up on the line after Nick Aldis used Sweet Sweet Charlotte to knock PCO upside the head, costing him to lose the ROH World Championship to Roosh. They've done a nice job of trying to put this thing together. I just don't know how good the match is going to be.
1: I, that's the biggest question. You look at these styles, how well are they going to mesh? I think what's most intriguing here, we you know, we regularly do it. You hear so many others putting over the caliber of champion that Nick Aldis is and what he can represent inside of professional wrestling. This is going to be a, a true measuring stick for that and to see what he can bring to the table with PCO. If, I'm hoping that they don't just rely on you know, the death spots, that, yeah. that Aldis can go out there and actually put together some sort of resemblance of a professional wrestling match it represents what the nwa world championship should be uh it's going to be very defining of him as a champion
0: the villain marty Skrull is going to take on the switchblade jay white coming over from new japan pro wrestling Huckleberry, I'm very excited for this match because the more Jay White talks about this match and what a loser Marty Skrull is and how he just wants that bullet club rub one more time just makes me want to see Marty beat his ass even more. And it's not going to happen. Switchblade's going to beat Marty. I. It's just it's going to happen. I mean, come uh, on,
1: absolutely. let's be real. It, if you want to get something, if you want something to get excited about going over WrestleMania weekend, I, I don't think you have to look any further than this thing from the, from out of the gate, the absolute get go. These two have been bringing it here. And as you said, the more and more Jay get, dives into this thing, he's, he's played it all perfectly. He, you want to see him get his ass beat. And in the end though, Jay, it's very rare that Jay lies to us.
0: Very, very rarely. The best defensive wrestler on the planet. Um, I'm looking forward to this one, too. You want to talk about a clash of styles. Jeff Cobb and Dan Moff, two big hosses, take on the two littlest guys that are going to be in Tampa, Florida. Kenta and Taiji Ishimori, representing the Bullet Club.
1: They might be small, though, but they're very
0: violent. (laughs) They are very violent. And this match could be very, very violent. This match also could be Dan Moff picking up Kenta and Taisha Ishimori at the same time and just throwing them.
1: You know, Kenta and uh, Ishimori, they kind of remind you, like, you go back to those old school uh, karate movies. And you look at the Japanese mafia. You got all these, you know, these these big SOBs, these thugs throwing people around. And there's always those little guys that are in the suits right in the middle of the room that no one's touching and they're not doing anything. But you know, as soon as they do, you, you can't blink. You don't want to miss it because they are going to fuck some shit up. That, that's, that's them.
0: I really like how this card is put together because you have the two little guys versus the two big guys. You've got, you know, the villain versus the Switchblade, which should be a masterful wrestling match. You have Nick Aldis versus PCO, two of the best characters in the business, but the wrestling match itself probably not going to be a five star classic. You have Roosh versus Flip, which is going to be some crazy ass Lucha shit. And then you have the Ring of Honor Six-Man World Tag Team Championships on the line in a dot-dot-dot dive classic, as it's going to be Mexi-Blood, the team of Bandito, Flamita, and Ray Horace, defending against Will Ospreay, the Amazing Red, and the King of Sneaky Style, Rocky Romero. This is going to be ridiculous
1: they're kind of, as you said, you're looking at the build here in in true to wrestling form, uh, absolute variety show, a little something for everybody. But, yeah, this six man is going to be all over the freaking place.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it it will be absurd. Uh, Let's talk about the April 10th show. Uh, And this is the Pure Excellence Tournament. The the lineup is starting to come together and we have some very interesting names that have been added to this. Huckleberry, are you going to go to this show?
1: I'm going to ask you about that off air.
0: Ah, fantastic. Here are the the participants as it stands right now. Doug Williams, Jonathan Gresham, Alex Shelley, Rocky Romero, Mark Haskins, Slex, Tracy Williams, Marty Skrull, Fred Yeehee, Yuji Nagata, former IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Joe Hendry, and Dalton Castle. Huckleberry, this is a pretty impressive lineup. And a lot of these guys, just as soon as I see the name, I'm like, yeah, that could be good. That could be good. I, I feel like Gresham needs to win this, but I almost want the finals to be Joe Hendry versus Dalton Castle.
1: Yeah, there's there's a number of directions you can go here. And I got to say, you know, over the last couple of weeks, you and I have been speculating, you know, who they might reach out to this thing. This thing doesn't disappoint. Uh, top to bottom and, you know, it again here, if I had to remove anyone, maybe slacks, but you know, that's cause we haven't seen so much of them. So maybe this tournament is a spot where he can really turn some heads, make that connection. But you're looking at some potential matchups inside of this thing. Very excited to see how this thing goes out. As you said, Gresham, absolutely a hands on favorite to win this thing. Uh, but man, I mean, you look at the names in here, Doug Williams to see him back and what he can do inside of this ring here.
0: Uh, Alex Shelley, who was in the first Pure Championship ever, yes. Haskins Uh, is fantastic. uh, William
1: Skurl, gee, looking at the potential matchups.
0: What do you think of Blue Justice? Looking through, who we got? Who? Blue Justice, Yuji Nagata. Yeah, I mean, got Nagata. He's going to lose in the first round, but man. He can give somebody the rub. That guy can still go. See, I'd like to see him
1: at least go to the second round there.
0: Maybe he beats Slex in the first round. I could see that happening. I you know, I think we're including Slex in this thing. I'm actually looking for
1: him to at least pick up a win and maybe even make a run. Again, that they want to try to get that connect with him. And, and it seems like they are pretty invested with him.
0: If Slex and Joe Henry are both in the ring at the same time, will you be able to tell them apart?
1: Twin Magic, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that tournament. I think that one could be a lot of fun. Unfortunately, there's also another tournament getting ready to go down. April 24th, Huckleberry, this show is going to be at the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And it's the ROH Women's Championship. What are they thinking? I don't think
1: they are. I, I don't think they are. I mean, this, this thing, I, I want to give them a little bit of credit here. You know, they're trying to, to jumpstart this thing going hopefully in a new direction, but I just don't really see it. I don't feel it
0: in Philly.
1: Yeah.
0: Flip them, do this in Columbus and do the pure tournament in Philly. Like no disrespect to Columbus or anything, but this could go over really, really badly in Philadelphia. Sumi Sakai, Kelly Ann. If this, was
1: ha- if this was happening in Columbus, I would not be having that conversation with you <laughs> off air.
0: Sumi, Ka- Sumi Sakai, Kelly Ann, Angelina Love, Nicole Savoy, Katerina, Jenny Rose, Session Moth-Martina, Tasha Steels representing the NWA, Mandy Leone, Alex Gracia, Ashley Vox representing the NWA, and Gia Scott. Huckleberry, any of them stand out that you think... Yep, that's who they're going to put the title on Because Um, as I read through this list I feel like it's wide open
1: I am actually only excited to see one of these names And she is representing the NWA And that'd be Tasha Steeles
0: Yep, yeah, kind of right there with you Bloodsport returns to Tampa, April second, two thousand and twenty, and Huckleberry, you want a tournament you can get excited about? We're gonna get the Gotch Robinson Cup. It's gonna be an eight-man Bloodsport tournament. Hell fucking yes! Can you imagine
1: happening to five that that night that evening?
0: Hell fucking yes! I am so looking forward to this. Uh, your main event of the evening. John Moxley versus Josh Barnett in a Bloodsport match. Your co-main event, Minoru Suzuki, takes on Chris Dixon. And in your women's match, Killer Kelly faces off with Allison Kay. I'm sold. Yep, this is a, this is a show that I am absolutely watching. WrestleMania week, Bloodsport last year was my favorite show, and I an eight-man tournament. Bloodsport style? Fuck yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, if it didn't steal, it was the talk of the town last year. It absolutely is going to be this year. And Anyone that hasn't yet seen Bloodsport from last WrestleMania, please do yourself the favor. Go out there. Find that card. Check it out. You will not get yourself prepared. You will not want to miss the show coming up WrestleMania weekend.
0: Okay. So let's talk about Moxley as the last topic for this week's show. What are we going to do here? Moxley versus Barnett. Moxley's the aew world heavyweight champion. Moxley goes over.
1: I would think so. I, but even in a sense if you lose inside of this this dynamic and what this actually means, I don't think it hurts the champion that hurts that championship at all.
0: okay. Well, let me bring up another situation that we find ourselves in then. John Moxley also currently holds the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship, and Zack Saber Jr. is coming for it. Zack Saber Jr. not only wants to be the United States Heavyweight Champion, he also wants to be the president because that country is a mess. Jonathan Moxley, um, Rick. Now that Mox has the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. The last fucking thing I want to see is Zack Sabre Jr. beat Moxley for the U.S. title.
1: Zack Sabre Jr. ain't doing shit. He ain't beating the Cincinnati boy. He ain't going to be the president. The only thing he's going to be involved with is eating a noodle sandwich.
0: Well, he can't be the president because he's he wasn't born here. So there, we, we do have that.
1: That's never stopped our country before.
0: <laughs> I can't. No, really? 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 Oh uh, no! Hey, you're the one that it on a T. They're going to screw Bernie again too. That's going to happen. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening, and if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit us over at the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com. dot com. Be sure that you visit our affiliates over at TheGorillaPosition.com where they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Last word on wrestling.com and NDPW.com for all the latest news from across the entire professional wrestling world. Hameen Media, HackerHameen.Podbean.com. You can find Huckleberry and I over there this Monday inside the locker room where we have the unfortunate task of reviewing the Elimination Chamber. Until then, you can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargoRBV. Where do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you?
1: Well, yo, first of all, Jargo, we're talking about call-outs here. I got a call-out of my own. Joey Chestnut, the wiener king, the hot dog eating champion. That's great, man. You found all your glory and your fame between the buns. But now you're stepping into a new arena. He's, this, did you see this? He's went out there. He's claimed the world record for putting down Big Macs.
0: Uh-oh. How many Big Macs did he put down?
1: This son of a bitch. Uh, 25, 35, something like that. But I, I don't care. I want to know. I am putting him on blast right now. The RBV, RBV Fitness is coming for you. The training is about to intensify. I am on my way to a McDonald's right now. Beware. I, I've got my app loaded up, ready to go. The training is now. It is real. We are coming for Joey Chestnut and that Big Mac Guinness World Record. You can find me across all social media at the Real RBV. Thirty-two
0: is the, now the record. Thirty-two Big Macs in ten minutes.
1: You know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go dig up my old Christian Leitner jersey. I'm gonna kick in the door at McDonald's. I'm going let to that, let that guide me so I can stare there at that number and know what I've got to beat.
0: If you are going to invoke the spirit of the great Christian Leitner, you better break this fucking record, Huckleberry. Stay tuned Monday inside the locker room, heckerhameen.podbean.com, where we will have an update. But for now, we and RBB's pants, if he's going to try to eat 32 Big Macs, are all off like a prom dress. Say up Point
2: your fingers. Label me. Yeah. I don't, don't give up. I'll be your back guy. the blame on me I smell self-righteousness. That's
0: the bad guy Go.
2: Oh. Try the blame on me, I smell self-righteousness! Oh. That's the bad guy. Boom. at home when you last night, I'll be your bag of hearts.